Hello, welcome to the Love You More podcast. I am Jennifer McDaniel, your hostess. And today I am talking about my new relationship with my smartphone. We are, we're, we're, we're starting over me and my phone. We've kind of had a relationship that's been a little too clingy and it's time for me to set a few boundaries. So my smartphone doesn't keep making me less smart. Now, we all know that our smartphones do beautiful things for us. I mean, it is amazing to be able to figure out anything in a matter of seconds, thanks to Google. Um, It is wonderful to be able to chat. The fact that my mom can teach my son how to play the piano over FaceTime, that is beautiful. I mean, there's so many gifts that our smartphones give us, but there's also a lot of issues that get brought up. And I mean, Two thirds of people say that they wish they had a different relationship with their smartphone, but yet only a quarter of us are actually doing something about it. So in today's podcast, what I hope that I can offer you um, is just some information around how smartphones are really making us a little less smart and then what we need to truly believe in order to change our relationship with our smartphones. And then I'm just going to share what I'm trying. I'm trying, like, I don't know, I counted it out with 10 different things, (laughs) basically to set some boundaries around how I use my phone. And I have already tried these. I've been, I've been working on this for a couple of weeks and I can tell a difference. I mean, I, I feel more grounded. I feel less anxious And really, that's what caused me to reevaluate my relationship with my phone, because I just noticed that throughout the day, I was feeling a little bit more frenzied. It was harder for me to stay present. I mean, you all know if you have listened to other podcasts or you follow my Instagram account, I talk a lot about the importance of me trying to live a very present life and being with being with the moment. And when I'm constantly checking my phone, um, it's very hard to do now. Social media is not really my issue so much. I mean, don't get me wrong. I enjoy social media and I use it for a tool to help grow my business and McDaniel Nutrition Therapy, my business. But um, but really what gets me is the work piece. You know, I do a lot of work for my phone. And when I check an email or I use my app to talk to someone from work, that really makes me feel productive and it gives me that hit of dopamine and I do it all day long. And so it has just left me in a place where I really don't feel very grounded. And I read this book recently. Um, I'd love to share it with you all. It's an awesome resource. It's called how to break up with your phone by Catherine price. And um, this, a lot of the content from this podcast comes from that book today. So feel free to check that out, but you know what? Catherine talks about in her book is that when we engage with our phone so regularly, heavy smartphone use, she calls it, um, causes us to be more anxious and it causes us to be less attentive. It creates more of this inability to focus and really have deep focus. And I, you know, that scares me. I don't want to have a brain that is getting worse over time. I really, I I am, I think when I consider the aging process, while yes, I know that my body is, is going to age. I really want my brain to stay as sharp as possible, as long as possible. That is just so important to me. And when I think about the fact that my phone is doing the exact opposite 
And when I sit down to read a research article, you know, to prepare for a client or to prepare for a presentation, and I cannot get through that research article without thinking that, ooh, I need to check that email or, ooh, I need to do this or I should order that on Amazon. I mean, my brain just gets so busy. And I know that my phone has created that inability to focus. So anyway, if you are like me and you are ready to just take a look at your relationship with your smartphone, this podcast is for you. So let me share some stats. First and foremost, the average American checks their phone every four minutes, and that equates to about 344 times per day according to some studies, as many as 71% of us check our phones within 10 minutes of waking up. And, um, you know, a lot of people want to change this. And we know that not only for ourselves, but for our kids, that these heavy uses of smartphone devices also can make us feel bad, right? It has an effect on our self-esteem. We're more impulsive. We're less patient. And um, it even affects things like our sleep, right? Especially if you're on your your smartphone prior to sleep. Um, And just think about it. You know, if you checked your phone, even if it was within 30 minutes of going to bed and you saw an email that made you feel anxious because you forgot to do something that day, or you saw something in politics that made you feel so angry or a text from a friend that you completely disagreed with, that sends cortisol through the body that makes you on edge. And it certainly changes your mood and it can make it very hard for you to get back into balance. And it can make it hard for you to simply to go to sleep. All of that can happen within five minutes. So, um, you know, I think with the issues in mental health, especially the increase in um, mental health issues through the pandemic, uh, we've relied a lot more on our phones. And so that has created more anxiety, more stress, more depression, and we've got the ability to change that. So, all right. So let's talk about some things that um, I think you really need to believe if you want to change your relationship with your phone. Belief number one, that you have to let go of, that multitasking works. Right? Because how many times are you in your car at a stoplight and you're like, ooh, let me just respond to that quick text. Um, or you're eating your lunch and you're also responding to email or you're even walking down the street and you're doing something right. And you're thinking you're being so efficient. Well, multitasking is a lie and no one is good at multitasking. Our brains were not meant to multitask. And one of the research studies that Catherine talks about in her book, she, she showed that the more someone multitasks, the worse they get. So it's not like one of those things that, ooh, practice makes perfect, not at all with multitasking. And what I have found is that when I do one thing at a time, even if it's just folding laundry and not trying to check emails in between shirts and pants, I enjoy the laundry a bit more. You know, the phone is away. Right now I am doing laundry and that is all I am doing right now. I am only going to eat lunch. I'm not going to do anything else. I'm going to do one thing at a time. And if you practice only that just today, I'm going to do one thing at a time. I promise you, your body will feel more calm. You will feel more grounded. So it is important for us to let go that doing things, doing more than one thing at a time, especially while we're on our phone is efficient because we're lying to ourselves. The research proves it. 
Um, the other thing that I think we have to believe is that the more we, time we spend on our phone, the lower the quality of our life. It's so true. I mean, I have given myself some pretty good breaks from my phone over the last couple of days. And I just feel more at ease around my family. Um, I just feel more at ease in general. And I think that if you give yourself a chance to take a break and you practice some of these things I'm going to talk about in a minute, you will notice that the less time on the phone, the higher the quality of your life. The other thing that's really important to believe before you try any of the things I'm going to talk about in a minute are is your brain can change, right? We used to think that our brains after a certain age were kind of fixed, but in the concept of neuroplasticity, we know that our brains can always be rewired and our brain can always be changed. So no matter how digressed your brain has become with the increased use of your phone, you can regain lost ground. You can create better attention spans. Uh, improve your memory. You can get your focus back. You can reduce your stress. So you have to be able to believe that too, because it's so worth it. And then the other thing that we really have to believe is that pretty much if you don't want to use your phone, you better not be able to see it. It's kind of like a candy bar sitting on the cabinet or whatever your uh, guilty pleasure of life is. If you have to sit there and stare at it, you are going to grab it. And man, have I noticed this with the kids. I used to, in the morning, just leave my phone on the kitchen counter. And the minute one of those children would walk down into the kitchen without even thinking, I know is automated behavior. They just picked up the phone and started looking at it for, you know, sports for one of my kids and books for another. And even if it was for a good thing, like reading, it was still this automated response. So if we want to not use our phones, and in many ways, we're just going to have to have it not around us in, in some instances. Um, you also have to believe that your life will be more efficient without checking email or um, responding to texts so efficiently. And one thing that I have noticed is when I keep a piece of paper and a pen with me at all times, that when I have that urge to do something on my phone instead of picking it up, um, I just write it down on the piece of paper. And then when it's like that power hour to knock out all of those things, man, I am like on fire. I feel so efficient. I get it all done versus having this ping pong all day long where I'm like, oh yeah, do this, do that. And then you pick up your phone and you do it. And not only do you pick up your phone to do that, then you see something else it distracts you. And then you end up forgetting what you picked up your phone for in the first place. Right? So again, that's creating a brain that has no sort of attention. And then finally, you really have to connect with your personal motivations. I've already sort of shared my personal motivations, which is I want to have a sharp brain as I age, and um, I don't want to get dumber as I age. And I feel like my phone is doing that. Attention span is so important. And one of my favorite quotes in the book um, that Catherine writes is, and just like time, once we've spent attention, we can never get it back. Attention is the most valuable thing we have. We experience only what we pay attention to. We remember only what we pay attention to. When we decide what to pay attention to in the moment, we are making a broader decision about how we want to spend our lives. So do I want to spend my life with my phone telling me what to do or do I want to be in charge? All right, let's move into 10 things that I'm doing to support the direction 
of not being on my phone so much and having a higher quality life. All right. Number one is having blocks of time when you are away from your phone. So for me, that might look like, okay, um, my morning routine is I get up in the morning and I uh, do some meditation. I read a little bit. I do not touch my phone until I pick it up to use my meditation app, but I only will touch my meditation app. And then after all of my quiet time, my grounding time is over. Only then will I give myself permission to just run through email, make sure I haven't had any client cancellations, make sure there's no fires that I need to put out. And then I put the phone away until all of the kids are at school, all of the lunches are packed. So about two hours later, then I will pick my phone back up. So I have designated in my day when I have my phone out of sight, out of mind. Um, Another example of when I have a block of time where I don't use my phone is during exercise. So if I'm going to go out for a run and then I'm going to come back and stretch or do whatever, I will not touch my phone. I used to kind of, after I'd get back with my run, oh, let's see what my paces were. Oh, let's check it, put it on Strava. Oh, I see that someone commented on my post. Well, now I'm like on my phone while I'm stretching. The effectiveness of that stretching time has been definitely not as great. And I'm just completely distracted. So that's an example of another block of time. And then the other block of time that I do is when I go pick up the kids, I usually leave my my phone at home. And then I try not to pick it up until after dinner, just like one more check before um, the kids go to bed, but yet not too close to my own bedtime. So just deciding for yourself, when are your blocks of time where you are not going to check your phone? You can put it in a drawer, close the drawer, and know that you don't have to touch it. Um, number two is that. It is physically putting the phone somewhere. Uh, and I typically put it in a drawer. So I have, I just, it's in my mind, it's like done. Because if it, it's like, if it's there and we see it again, it's like candy. We, we just want to pick it up. So out of sight, out of mind. Number three, and these are in obviously no particular order here. Um, when you're without your phone, just kind of see how it feels. At first, you might feel a little anxious, you know, um, but after you practice this for a little bit, just really give yourself the chance to connect with how you're feeling when you've had that time away. And there's been so many times where I, I feel so good. I don't even want to go pick up the phone, even though I kind of have to at some point in the day. Um, It's just really nice. So I think it is important to connect with how we feel when we're not with it. And then you also want to structure time where you can mindlessly play with your phone, right? It's it's not like we're trying never to be on social media and, and just get lost in it you know, that we should have times when we do that. It's fun to have dessert, right? It's fun to have the times in which we have, we give ourselves 30 minutes just to do whatever the heck we want on our phones. And for me, that's usually social media. So I give myself time to go on social media daily, where I interact with it, where I comment on other people's posts, where I enjoy watching fun videos. You know, you got to give yourself some of that time. So make sure that if you are you know, trying to be on your phone less, you schedule the time when you get to be on your phone and really mindlessly per se, enjoy it. Just have a boundary of how long you'll be there for. Number five is what I call riding the wave of distraction. 
And um, this work is by a man, uh, and his name's Judson Brewer, and he's done a lot of work in mindfulness and addiction uh, habits. And we are talking about addictions here with, with phone use. Um, but riding the wave of distraction is like, for instance, I am thinking about, oh yeah, I need to order that thing off of Amazon. Let me go do it right now. Um, in that moment, does that have to be done? So first we do have to be mindful of our thoughts because you really can't ride the wave of distraction if you don't even know what you're thinking about. So if that is really something that doesn't have to be done in the moment, I might just write it down on a notepad and then come back and do it later. The other thing might just be if I just have a desire to pick up my phone, I might consider what am I picking up my phone for? Does that need to happen right now or can I wait? But Judson Brewer's work around mindfulness and really moving through and changing true addictive or craving patterns is that you have to notice what it feels like in your body when you actually have that craving. So if I had the desire to um, text somebody, even though it can wait, I might just notice what it feels like in my body to have that desire to text someone and then let that pass and then see how it feels later, right? You kind of observe it and you see what happens. So that's the WWW rule. What for, what am I picking up my phone for? Why do I need to pick it up now? And what else could I do instead, right? So it's just reminding ourselves that like every time we have a thought, we don't have to act on it. That's what creates this brain that has no attention span. Uh, the sixth thing is to recognize that you are going to slip. Um, yesterday I had a lot of doctor's appointments and so I was in the car a lot and I was getting really antsy feeling like I wasn't getting any work done. And so I did find myself wanting to check email at a stoplight. And then I was like, nope, <laughs> you know, nope, it's not safe to have your phone when you're driving. Nope. You don't have to do this right now. Anything that's in your inbox can likely wait. Um, but it, it's so tempting, especially when you feel like you can be more efficient if you do it in that moment. But it's, again, riding that wave of distraction and kind of moving through it. But just remembering that you are going to slip, right? This is not just straight line progression up and to the right. You're going to have dips and you're just going to, oh, yeah, well, that was that's all right. You know, I'm going to get back on my, my good phone boundaries here. Um, all right. Number seven is to think about when you're about to pick up your phone for whatever reason, um, you really are... It's not a bad idea to maybe pause and examine why I'm picking this up. And let me give you an example of that. So the hardest part of most mother's days is when they pick up their kids after school until dinner time, because the kids are hungry. Uh, everybody's been holding it together all day. So they let out their worst behaviors on you. And that's when I would find that I would be wanting to check email and wanting to do work. Why? Because I wasn't wanting to face the really hard part of my day, which was parenting. So when we actually give ourselves a chance to pause and understand why we're trying to distract ourselves, then it helps us to understand, okay, this is a really hard moment. This is a hard moment. This is what's happening right now. And, um, I don't have to distract myself. I can, I can parent, I can do this without checking my phone and trying to numb out on feeling like I'm good in another area of my life, right? Like by removing junk mail out of my email. 
Uh, number eight, you might consider inviting other people in on this with you. So like your partners, your husband. I mean, when I was bragging to my husband about how less I was checking my phone, you know, he was like about time. <laughs> he's always been pretty good at it. And he's the one that's always called me out on checking my phone too often. But what you'll notice is that when you're not checking your phone very much and you're really, you know, in a good zone around phone usage, how much other people use their phones. And of course, this isn't a time to point out their weaknesses. <laughs> because at any moment that could be you next, but it is helpful to just kind of share these things with, you know, your partners and maybe work on these things together. And then number nine is identified situations in which you regularly find yourself checking your phone to kill a bit of time. So like when you're in the grocery store line, are you on your phone? Um, when you're in an elevator, are, are you on your phone? Can those times be a time where you practice boredom or you practice quiet where you practice presence without feeling like you need something to distract yourself. So those are really good opportunities to just consider when do I find myself idle and then just grabbing my phone right away. Um, no, when I find myself idle in the grocery store, maybe I'm not even going to bring my phone into the grocery store. Now that would be impossible for me because I keep my lists on there. I keep all that my recipes, all the things, but, um, but I think that just Take a look at those times for yourself and figure out if there might be an opportunity for quiet stillness, practicing being bored, because being bored, as we tell our children, is a great way to make your brain more creative. And then the other thing that Catherine talked about in the book, which I really loved, is question the dopamine hit that you're about to get by checking email, right? Because I think deep down, there's this like hope that maybe there's an amazing email waiting for you, or there's like... I don't know what I hope for when I check Instagram, you know, like, oh, all of a sudden my followers grew by a thousand. When has that ever happened? Typically the things that maybe we kind of hope would be like, oh, someone just contacted you. They want a, a, a year long corporate wellness program. Yes. Those are things that I think deep down when I check my email, I would love to see. But unfortunately, those types of positive <laughs> instances rarely happen. And what's more um, more likely to happen is that something in that email is going to stress me out or something in that social media might disappoint me. Unfortunately, that's the reality. So I think that, um, you know, just considering what is the best thing that could happen by me checking my email, what's the best email I could receive? Uh, most likely those things are not in the inbox and are not worth disrupting life's flow just to check your email or your Instagram account. So those are my 10 things. And if you practice just one of those, I would love to know, uh, share these things with us on our Instagram pages to help other people, you know, out with this because we all are struggling. <laughs> we all are trying, I think, to have a healthy relationship with our phones, if not only for ourselves, but for examples for our children. I mean, that's probably another big motivator for me. If I'm going to someday have a child who has their own smartphone, which of course they will, um, I want to be a good example for them. And I want them to see that I can be present with them. Like I hope that they can be present with me when they've got this smartphone in their own pocket. So the flow feels great, people. I promise it is so worth it. Try some of these things out and don't let the phone vampire suck the attention out of your own life.